following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Just a few weeks ago, I finally got myself established with a local physician here in the uh, Morgan City area. And uh, my first visit was to get some blood drawn and some other tests run, and then he wanted to see me back to uh, talk about the results of that. And when we got together, uh, he came in and he said, well, he said, what I'm seeing in this blood work is not what I'm seeing on the table sitting in front of me. And he held up a sheet of paper that had more highlighted stuff on it than there was not highlighted. He said, uh, we got our work cut out for us here. <laughs> He said, what I see on this blood work and what I see in you uh, don't necessarily reflect the same thing. He said, I would not expect this from somebody, you know, in your shape and your condition at your age. He said, more than likely, he said, what we're seeing from this blood work is hereditary. He said, you can thank your ancestors and the genetics that they have passed down to you uh, for what you now have to deal with. He said, fortunately, I don't see any damage caused by it. He said, I think we can get it going in the right direction. What we look at this morning, uh, that question actually surfaces. Uh, The disciples see a blind man and they want Jesus to answer the question, whose fault is it? Is it something that he did or something his parents did? And so what happened to me wasn't necessarily anything that I did directly. It was part of my genetic makeup and who I am. It was handed down to me. We're in a series uh, called The Compassion of Christ. And as Jesus looked upon this man who was blind from birth, Jesus saw beyond that. He didn't see what was on the outside of the man's life. He was looking at what was on the inside. He said, there's something in this man's heart that needs to be addressed. And I'm going to address it first through his physical infirmity. And so just like the feeding of the 5,000 that we looked at over the past two weeks, uh, Jesus addressed their physical needs in order to meet their spiritual needs. And in the same way, he does this with this blind man. And so I know your outline says that we're in John chapter 9, but go back just a few um, pages to the Gospel of Luke. This is actually a passage that we explored in Sunday school this morning. And let's all stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read more specifically verses 18 and 19, and then we'll get into our passage as we go through it. So I want to encourage you, if you're not involved in a small group or a Sunday school class, let me know after church. I'll let you know who the teacher is for your age group and which one I think you would be in best. I, I think that small groups are a way for us to grow closer together. Uh, I think small groups are a way for us to reach out to others in our community, in our church, and some who are disconnected. So uh, the material that we're going through is called the Gospel Project, and this is the passage that it focused on uh, this morning. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, join me in the reading of God's Word. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and listen at this in recovery of sight to the blind which involves our story this morning to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable 
year of the Lord. This is a portion of the prophet Isaiah that Jesus read before the synagogue on that day. And he is actually making his mission statement. And when he read this, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. And he said, today, this prophecy is fulfilled before your very eyes. So what Isaiah wrote almost seven to 800 years before Jesus even walked the face of this earth, that prophecy came through in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that specific portion of, excuse me, of the recovery of the sight to the blind is what we're going to look at in the Gospel of John chapter 9. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this message, and we pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. Lord God, you've promised that your word will not return void. Lord, today I'm just a messenger. I'm relaying a message, Lord God, that you've placed upon my heart. But I pray for those who hear, whether they are here in person or whether they are streaming in through our social media, Lord God, I pray that you would touch their heart. I pray that you would speak to them, and I pray that you would help to meet their needs where they are in a way that only you can. We turn this time over to you, and we thank you for all that you're going to do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. The compassion of Christ, why did Jesus come into this world? Is to reveal God's heart to not only the people of that day and time, but to us as well. We see how he uh, touched people's lives individually was such as to be the instance today with this one blind man. And he touched multitudes of people as we saw the last two weeks in the feeding of 5,000. But the question this day, uh, today that we look at is the question that the religious people asked the blind man after he was healed. You know, how were your eyes open? And so at some point in time before we met the Lord Jesus Christ, we walked around as someone who was spiritually blind. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, those who are without Jesus Christ, they are in darkness. They have spiritual blinders on. Uh, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded them. And so that is a picture that we get out of this story that we see in John chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to John chapter 9. and We'll look at our passage that we'll be studying there's four specific things that I want us to ask ourselves uh, that come out of this story. And the story goes as this, uh, John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So the first thing we see is that Jesus takes time to stop and address this man's situation. He's not only doing it for the man who is blind, but he is doing it for the sake of the disciples as well. Because the disciples raise the question, something bad has happened to this man. And it must be because of something that either he did or his parents did. 
So the first thing I want you to see is Jesus stops and he makes a spittle. He makes this anointment. He makes this uh, salve with his splay, uh, spit in the clay on the ground. And he touches the man's eyes with it and he smears this clay on his eyes and he touches his eyes. And for the first time, this man felt the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ upon his blind eyes and upon his face. So the first question I want you to ask yourself is this. When was the first time that I felt the touch of the Savior's hands? If you're here today, at some point in time, God has touched your life. He says, I want you to be a part of my family. I I want you to attend First Baptist Church. I want something special to happen in your life. You may or may not be a child of God yet, but God has done something in your life to get your attention. It may be something good, maybe something bad, maybe a blessing, maybe affirmity, but somehow or another, God has touched your life in a way that has gotten your attention. And this man who is blind, all of a sudden, a stranger comes up. Maybe he had heard of Jesus, maybe not. But all of a sudden, he feels this upon his eyes. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's happening. He hasn't seen what Jesus has done by spitting on the ground and making an anointment out of the saliva and the clay. He didn't know what was going on. All he knows is that somebody has touched me, and I'm feeling something that I've never felt before. When was the first time you felt the touch of the Savior's hands? When your life has been touched by the hands of Jesus, it will never be the same. There's no way. Just like this blind man is fixing to be changed, if your life has in some way been touched by the Lord, you can't be the same. You'll never be the same. So the disciples asked the question, said, God, Jesus, what, what happened? Something must have happened. Either this man sinned, or his parents sin. Why would they even ask this question? Where did their view of the effect of sin come from? There's several places in the Old Testament that teach about the principles of sin, the effects of sin. There's a principle in the Old Testament that goes all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. It's called the retribution principle. And it goes like this. Disobedience produces cursings. But obedience produces blessings. Proverbs 11.31, if you want to write this verse down. It says, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. Isaiah 59.2, he writes this, he says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so the disciples knew about the teachings of the Old Testament and the impact that sin has on a person's life. And so they equate that to what's going on in this blind man's life. Oh, he's been stricken with blindness from birth. Something must have happened. Either he did something or his parents did something. The prophet Ezekiel, he actually goes as far to say in Ezekiel 18.20, he says, the soul who sins shall die. And the apostle Paul writes in Romans 6.23 that there is a payment for sin. It says that the wages of sin is 
death. Let me ask you this. How different would our attitude towards sin be if we believed that there was an immediate consequence to our sin? What would you conduct yourself differently? Would you be a little more hesitant to partake in those things that you know you shouldn't partake in? If you knew that immediately God would do something to you because of your sin, would your life be conducted differently? Would you avoid some of those mistakes that you make from time to time? Have you ever heard somebody ask this question? They see a tragedy happen in someone else's life. Maybe it's an infirmity. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's something that has taken place. And have you ever heard somebody look at someone's life like that and say, well, you know, God must be angry with that person. Let me just speak into that for just a little bit. If that's the way God was, none of us would be here right now. Not a single one of us would be sitting here right now. But that's not God's nature. God is a God of justice, but he is also a God of love and mercy. And he he does not look at us through our sin. He looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. God is patient with us. He's long-suffering towards us. And if things happen to us every time that we sin because God was angry with us, he would take us out immediately. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. It says that God is long-suffering towards us. God is patient towards us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And through his compassion, Jesus wanted to go beyond the matter of sin that the disciples are referring to. He, he goes beyond that matter. He says, look, this didn't happen because of anyone's sin. He said, this happened so that God can be glorified. Sometimes things happen in our lives so we can show exactly how much we rely on the Lord. How much we lean upon him, how much we trust in him. Sometimes God will allow things to happen. And you say, look, I'm a good person. I believe in the Lord. Nothing bad should ever happen to me. Well, let's look. Go ask our good friend Job about how that worked out for him. Go ask the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said, I had a thorn in my side, a thorn in my flesh. It bothered me all the time. And Paul was doing exactly what the Lord asked of him. Ask the disciples. They were doing exactly what the Lord told them to do. They were going across the Sea of Galilee to the other side when they experienced the worst storm of their life. So Jesus doesn't look at our mistakes. He doesn't see us through our mistakes. He sees our need, just like he saw the need of this blind man. He looked beyond the question that the disciples were asking. And then all of a sudden, no matter what, no matter where this man had been, no matter what kind of life his parents had lived, no matter what kind of life he had lived, all of a sudden, he received something that he didn't deserve. He received the touch of the master upon his hands. Jesus didn't look at his mistakes. He didn't look at his seed. He looked at the need that he had in his life. And because he is a compassionate Savior, here's what he wants to do for you. He wants to meet your needs right where you are. He doesn't look at your past life. 
He doesn't look at your genetic makeup. He doesn't look at your ancestry. He doesn't look at what people who have gone on before you have done. He sees your need right where you're at. And he wants to touch your life. And he wants to do something special. He wants to be a part of your life. And he wants to touch your life in a way that will leave absolutely no doubt whatsoever that it was the hand of God that made a difference in your life. So let me ask you this again. When was the first time that you felt the touch of the Lord? It might have been at a time when you least expected it. You might have just been sitting there doing nothing, just like that blind man, and all of a sudden, God, just something is going on in my life that I can't explain. That's the touch of the Lord in your life. That you being able to feel him doing something miraculous and special in your life. And if you've ever felt that before, and once you do feel that, your life will never, ever be the same. Just like this man's life is about to change. Verse 7 in the passage is where things really start taking shape at. When Jesus said these things, he said that it wasn't because of anyone's sin. This happened so that God could be glorified. He made the spit. He made the saliva. He anointed his eyes with the clay. And here's what he told the man in verse 7. He said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. Stop right there for just a minute. Not only did he feel the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ on that day, but he also heard his voice with some very specific instructions. When's the last time you've heard the voice of the Lord? Point number two, when was the last time you heard the voice of Jesus speaking to you directly? Jesus wasn't talking to the disciples at this time. Jesus wasn't talking to anyone else in this crowd. He spit on the ground. He made clay. He wiped it on this guy's eyes. And I would just imagine him, Jesus, lovingly taking him by the hands or by the head. He said, now, here's what I want you to do. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He spoke directly into his life. He gave him some specific instructions. That's the question that I want to ask you right here. When is the last time that you heard the voice of the Lord? Psalms chapter 85, verses 8 through 9 says this, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace. Oh, how precious it is to hear the voice of God regularly speaking to me. When I open up his word, say, God, I need a touch from you. I need to know that your presence is here with me. I need to feel your hand at work in my life. And God, I want you to start by speaking to me. I want to hear your voice more clearly than I've ever heard before. When is the last time you've been in that situation? When is the last time you clearly heard God say, I want you to do this? I have something that I want you to do. I have some specific instructions for you, but you have to be still long enough for me to speak to you. You have to be listening and attentive to my voice. John 10, 27, Jesus said this. He said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
Is that where you're at in your life today? Do you hear the voice of the Savior? Are you following His instructions? Are you doing what He asked you to do? When was the last time you heard the voice of Jesus speaking to you? Nothing was wrong with this man's hearing. It was just his vision that was impaired. Most of the times when we start losing one of our senses, we've talked about the five senses before, taste, touch, feel, smell, and sound. This man could not see, so I would imagine that his hearing was much, much clearer than anyone else's. He rely on his other senses to really be in tune with the world going on around him. And a lot of times that's what happens in our life when we start losing our hearing. Boy, we want to be able to see, we want to be able to touch, we want to feel. We want to go, huh, all the time. (laughs) But those who have lost some of their vision, we get cheater glasses. We try to improve our vision the best that we can. Some of us get contact lenses. Some of us have the surgery that improves our vision. We want to make it as clear as possible. We want to be able to see as well as we possibly can. But this man could not do that. But there was nothing wrong with his hearing. And as this man anointed his eyes with the spit and the clay, Jesus began speaking to him. And for the first time, he heard the voice of Jesus. Jesus said, I've touched your life. I've done something special. But now I want to give you some specific instructions. So most of the times, that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to get our attention. We feel his touch in our life. We know that he's wanting to do something. Then all of a sudden he says, now that I've got your attention, here's what I want you to do. So that leads me to point number three, the second part of this verse. What did the man do? What was his response? He had several different options. He didn't have to do what the Lord commanded him to do. He didn't really know what was going on. He didn't sort through the situation. He didn't try to process it or try to reason through it. But he did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to wash in the pool of Siloam. What would you do if you were in his situation? All all of a sudden you got this gritty, dirty, muddy saliva mixture in your eyes. You ever had a speck of dust get in your eye? It's pretty painful, isn't it? You ever had an eyelash get in your eye? You want to get it out as soon as you can. And so here's what Jesus commands this man to do. He says, I want you to go and wash this out. And that's exactly what this man did. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. What did I tell you about the retribution principle just a few moments ago? Disobedience produces what? Cursing, but obedience produces what? Blessing. And that's exactly what this man did. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. And something miraculous happened. So that leads me to point number three. When when the last time you heard the Lord tell you to do something, did you follow the last instructions that the Lord gave you to do? The last time that you heard God's voice, the last time he touched your life, were you obedient and following the instructions that he gave you to do? A lot of people say, well, you know, I haven't heard from the Lord. Well, let me ask you this. Did you obey the last thing he told you to do? 
Why would he tell you to do something new and different when you weren't obedient in the last thing that he told you to do? There's a huge difference between hearing instructions and actually following them. So my doctor's visit the other day, I had several options. He gave me several instructions. He said, first of all, we want to put you on this medication. Next, you got to watch what you eat. (laughs) Oh, boy, that's a tough one to do. But the option has become mine now. The responsibility has become mine. I could have very easily heard what the doctor told me on that day and said, you know what you're talking about. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I would suffer the consequences later on in my life. And so this blind man, he could have heard Jesus' voice. He could have felt his touch and said, you know what? No thanks. I'm just going to stay right here where I'm at. Unfortunately, that's the way we are in our lives sometimes. We hear God's voice. We feel the touch in his life and say, you know what? I just don't want to do that. And the more we do that, the easier it becomes, the more resistant we become. And this is what the Bible refers to as a stiff-necked people. They don't want to move. They don't want to be obedient. And eventually they suffer the consequences of it. So here's the thing. A lot of people want a very deep understanding of the Bible. They want a very deep understanding of who God is. But they're not willing to obey what the Lord tells them to do. What if the man would have been anointed, heard the instructions, then refused to go wash? What if he would have said, you know, you want me to do what? That is the craziest thing I've ever heard before. I'm a blind man who now has clay in my eyes. I couldn't see to begin with. Now I'm going to look like a fool walking through the crowd with mud on my eyes, stumbling somewhere that I have no clue. The pool of Siloam, how do you expect me to get from here to there when I'm blind and I got mud in my eyes? But he didn't do that. He said, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Let me be obedient to what the Lord has called me to do and told me to do. He could have easily said, why can't I go wash somewhere else? Why does it have to be the pool of Siloam? But it is through this event that we fully understand the meaning of walking by faith and not by sight. Do you see the picture that the Lord is creating through this message and through this instance? The man stepped out in faith. He wasn't using his sight. He hadn't received his sight yet. But by faith, he obeyed what the Lord had commanded him to do. No matter how foolish it sounded, no matter how difficult it was, the man says, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I have nothing to lose. And when you touched my eyes, I felt something. When you spoke to my heart, I heard something. And now I want to be obedient. I want to follow exactly what it is that you're asking me to do. Here's what Psalms 111 verse 10 says. You can write this verse down. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his
commandments. There's a big difference between hearing and doing. There's a big difference between receiving instructions and then actually following them. The blessing for this man was not in the spittle of the clay. The blessing was in his obedience. Jesus touched him and told him, but it wasn't until he responded to the directions of the Lord that he received his sight. After he washed, he returned seeing. Jesus could have easily touched his eyes and healed him instantly. We see that in a couple of different instances. But it wasn't until this man got up, stumbled through the crowd, stumbled his way to the pool of Siloam, and actually completed the instructions that Jesus had given him. It was then that he came back seeing. Can you imagine how it would feel after being blind from birth? We don't know exactly how old this man is. It doesn't tell us here at the beginning of the story. Imagine getting to the pool finally. Maybe someone helped him. Maybe someone didn't. But he's saying, you know what? I, 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 want, I want to know what this man Jesus can do for my life. I've never been able, I don't know what it's like to see things. And then all of a sudden he stoops down. Begins to pick up the water. He says, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's fixing to take place in my life. And all of a sudden, once he gets all of the mud and all the clay and all the spittle out of his eyes, he blinks a couple of times. And all of a sudden, his sight is restored. And he says, you know what? I now know that my life has been touched by the life of Jesus. I now know what Jesus can do for my life. And my life from this point on will never be the same. If you're here today, if you're a Christian, if you're a born-again, blood-bought child of God, that explains your conversion right there. At one point in time, you couldn't see spiritually. When you felt the touch of Jesus in your life and you followed that call to allow him to become Lord and Savior of your life, from that moment on, your life was completely changed and you've never been the same since then. Something else happened to this man. Not only did he feel the touch of the Savior's hand, not only did he hear the voice of the Lord Speaking to him. Not only did he follow the instructions that the Lord gave him. Here's the best part. Beginning in verse 8, it says, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. The 
only thing this man could do from this moment on was tell others about what God had did in his life. He says, I don't have an explanation for it. I'm not going to soup it up. I'm not going to make it sound fancy. I'm not going to explain a bunch of scriptures to you. I don't know a lot of things about what just took place, but here's what I do know. At one point in my life, I was blind, but now I see it, and it's all because of a man named Jesus. Here's what he told me to do. Here's what I did, and here's the result of it. And here's the question that I want to leave you with today. How often do you testify about what the Lord has done for you? You don't have to give some deep theological explanation. You say, I... One point in my time, I was lost. I was headed for hell. I was a sinner. I didn't know good from bad. I didn't know right from wrong. But all of a sudden, Jesus touched my life. He saved my soul. He set me free. I'm redeemed. And now all I want to do is tell others about how they can experience the same thing. I can't explain it all. I haven't got it all figured out. But that doesn't stop me from telling others about what God has done in my life. I don't understand everything there is about electricity. I know it comes from a power plant. I pay an electric bill every month, but that doesn't stop me from walking into a dark room and turning on the light switch. I don't understand everything about how an air conditioner works. I know it takes Freon. I know it takes electricity. Your fans have got to be working. But that doesn't keep me from dialing down that thermostat when I get hot. I'm going to use it. I don't understand everything there is to know about salvation and how God has done it. I can explain to you some verses and some scriptures, but the bottom line is, at one time in my life, I was headed for hell. I was going to bust hell wide open. And for some reason, God touched my life. He changed me, and I've never been the same since then. And just like that blind man, he went and he told people, A man named Jesus touched my life. I was once blind, but now I can see. That's all I know. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you were doing the day that God touched your life. I don't know what you were doing the day that God set you free. I just hope and pray that you're telling other people that God has been good to me. He's blessed my life. I haven't figured it all out, but here's what I do know. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and now he wants to be a part of your life as well. How often do you tell your story? How often do you testify of what God has done for you? If Jesus Christ has touched your life, You can't help but to tell others about it. The natural response of a believer should be that something miraculous happened and I will never be the same and I will never be silent. I want others to know that what God did for me, he can do for them as well. That passage that we started off with earlier, Psalms 107 the one I shared before we even started singing. Turn there for just a moment with me. I want you to read this. There's several things in this chapter that I want you to, to see. This is exciting. This is a place where we need to go to quite often. 
Because as I look across this congregation, I, I know a lot of your personal stories, some I don't. I've been here long enough to know the background of some of your lives. I know what God has done. I hear you on Wednesday night bragging on God. How often do you tell others about that, though? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Can anybody agree to that? Can anybody say amen to that? It's okay to shout in a Baptist church. Nobody's going to say anything to you about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What is that saying to you? If God has been good to me, if I've experienced his mercy, if I want to give thanks to the Lord, I've got to say so as often as possible. That's what we talk about on Wednesday nights. I want to brag on the God that saved me. I want to tell others about his goodness and his mercy. I am a walking, talking, breathing billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to give evidence that God is good. He'll set you free. He can change your life. And just like this blind man, I don't understand it all. I haven't got it all figured out. But I'm going to tell you what I do know. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And if that's all you know, go tell it as often as you can. And then you say, here's what happened when he saved me. I was 17 years old, about to start my senior year in high school. I was dating my high school sweetheart. In revival at New Hope Baptist Church in De Quincey, Louisiana. I don't remember what the sermon was. I don't remember the exact time. But I remember who was there when they led me to the Lord when I prayed the sinner's prayer and God set me free and saved me and redeemed me. And now I want to tell others this is how it happened. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Your story might not be like that. Your story might not even be the same. You might not have a story yet. I don't know. But this whole chapter, Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Verse 8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 15. Oh that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. For his wonderful works to the children of men. What does it say? Testify to others about what God has done in your life. Verse 21. Oh that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. That same phrase is repeated time And time and time again, the writer of the Psalms here is saying that if you'll give thanks to the Lord and tell others about what God has done for you, that's your way of testifying of the goodness of God in your life. Amen, Brother Tracy. That's good preaching right there. Has God set you free? What has he done in your life? Perhaps you haven't felt the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ yet. Perhaps you're like that blind man. You're going through life. You're stumbling. You're bumping into stuff. You don't know what direction to go in. Maybe you haven't heard the voice of the Lord yet. Maybe you're not following him the way that you should. 
I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord. I don't know where you stand. But here's what I do know. God wants to touch your life in a special way. He wants to do something miraculous. And out of his love and his mercy and his compassion, above everything else, he wants you to know that he is deeply concerned about the things in your life. And I think that's the picture that we get out of this story in John chapter 9. The apostles were seeing one thing. They said, look, this has got to be the result of sin. Jesus said, no, that's not what this is about. This is so that God can be glorified through the life of another human being. And God wants to save you so that he will receive glory. Jesus said, let your light so shine among men so that others will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you're here today and you're a child of God, God wants to reveal himself to others through your life. And just like this blind man, you have a story to tell. God set me free. He saved my soul. Heaven is my home. There's no doubt about it. I don't understand it. I haven't got it all figured out, but I am following the Lord. No matter what he does, I'm going to, uh, no matter what he says, I'm going to do. No matter what direction he tells me to go in, that's what I want. No matter how ridiculous it sounds, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to trust him and I'm going to leave the results up to him. So maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'd like nothing more than to introduce you to a God that loves you, that wants to touch your life, that wants to speak life into yours. He wants to help you to see again in a way that you've never seen before and he wants to change your way in a way that only he can. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The basic question is this, only you can answer it. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? You say, Brother Tracy, I, I know that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know that I'm a child of God. I know that heaven's my home. That's great. That's fantastic. What I want you to do right now is start praying for those around you. I want you to start praying for some of the empty pews in this sanctuary that they'll be filled in the days and weeks to come. I want you to start praying for those people that the Lord has laid upon your heart. But if you can't answer that question, you say, Brother Tracy, I just, I, I don't know where I'd spend eternity yet. Assurance of knowing that Jesus is your Savior and that heaven is your home. The first thing that you need to know is this. We're all born with a sin nature. The Bible all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, a spiritual separation from God for all eternity in a place called hell. That's the bad news. The good news is God has created a way for you to be given, uh, forgiven of your sins. And it's through the life and death of Jesus Christ. 
demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A gift is not yours until you accept it and receive it. The next thing that you need to know is that you can call upon the Lord to save you right now. The Bible says in Romans 10, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe right now, maybe you're like that blind man. You wasn't expecting something like this to happen today. But right now you're feeling the touch of God in your life. There's no doubt about it. God is speaking to you. You hear his voice more clearly right now than you've ever heard it before. Now your response is to say, Jesus, please save me from my sins. Help me to see things the way I've never seen them before. And help me to be able to follow you all the days of my life. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And just like that blind man was saved, you can be saved today. It all starts by saying a simple prayer. It all starts by submitting to the Lord. You just pray right where you're at. You say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that if I died right now, that I'd go to hell, but I don't want to live my life that way. And right now, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. God, in the best way that I can, I confess my sin to you and I ask for you to forgive me. And I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life and I'll follow you all the days of my life. And in just a moment, we're going to open up these altars for prayer. I'll be here if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'll pray with you. I'll tell you how to begin that relationship. And I'll tell you what to do from here. But your next move is to do just like that blind man. And you do exactly what the Lord's telling you to do. You step out in obedience. You step out in faith. You come tell me about the decision that you're dealing with. And the best way I can, I'll tell you how to begin that process. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We turn this invitation time over to you. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, uh, if we have experienced the compassion of Christ, if we know we've touched his lives, I pray, Lord God, that we would not remain silent on that matter, but we would tell others, as often as possible, about the goodness of God upon our lives. Lord, if there is anyone here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning would be the day that they would step out in faith and receive that, that gift of eternal life. And they would make a commitment to follow you all the days of their lives. And we just turn this invitation time over to you that hearts would be changed, that the captives would be set free and that hearts would be yielded to you in every way possible. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. 
Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.